Hi, everybody, and welcome to Phillies Backstage. I'm Tom Burgoyne, joined once again by Phillies Director of Fun and Games, the multi-talented John Brazier. How Thank you, doing, you Tom. Why do I deserve the honor of multi-talented? <laughs> I don't know. Do you consider yourself a man of many talents? Um, few. I know state capitals, and I know <laughs> one-hit wonders in the 70s, if that counts as talent. I know, and I, I was trying to, you know, I, I some did, world capitals. I did my Dave Zinkoff impersonation, the 1983 Sixers starting lineup. I uh, can flip my eyelids inside out. Can you? I can, I can read minds with Larry Anderson. I used to be able to belch God Bless America. Is that right? Like Larry Anderson does National Anthem. <laughs> I used to do the God Bless America back in the mid-70s, Broad Street Bullies. Everybody knew the song God Bless America, you know, sure. Kate Smith. Kate Smith. And I could belch it. Hey, uh, we're going to start a new um, feature on this program. I just uh, thought of this. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you're telling me now. Yes. Well, Brooksy and I, our, our producer, Rob Brooks, uh, we are the two, um, I guess, known as the adventure seaters in this uh, organization. And we like to go off campus because obviously we can eat here right at the ballpark. But we like to go off and then check out some, uh, do some culinary adventures. So sometimes Brooksy takes me someplace, but sometimes I take him someplace. So today... And thanks for the invite, too, by the way. You'll but be invited ahead. next week so, right. you can, so you can be part of this. But uh, Brooksy used to live uh, in West Philly. So we went to several places today. We went to a place called Honest Tom's. And I think hmm. it's 44th and Locust. It used to be a truck. And now they have a brick-and-mortar place. Cool. And it's vegan uh, Mexican. So it's, it's, all, it's vegan burritos, vegan tacos. I had a vegan taco salad. Was now, it good? It was actually really good. Because you're little, not a vegan. Rob is yes, a vegan. I was a little skeptical at first, hmm. but uh, it was very good. And then Rob took me to a vegan donut shop uh, called Dottie's on 45th and Springfield. Hmm. Uh, that was awesome. And then we, we decided we're out in West Philly, and I love history, and, and we both lived through the move yes, bombing. We did. So I said, you know what, we're, we're not, I, I saw Osage. I said, let's go down to 62nd and Osage. So we, we, and you know what, those buildings are still like dilapidated like that like they haven't fixed up um the bombing unless it got it got fixed and then, and then it just <laughs> has uh, fallen apart a little bit right. since because i thought they did a nice job with that block after it got fixed up no uh it, it, there was definitely some it looked like there was damage now again that could have been huh yeah so i don't know but that's our culinary adventure so uh we'll report back every week and and maybe uh tom you can join us next one i'm gonna make a I, note of this, this one is gonna be my call so okay it might be like some t uh some but if you're taking rob it's got to be you know but he healthy can, and vegan he can find a place so I, I i like my vietnamese i like my cuban right. so we'll, we'll go somewhere all right well, sign me up all right you're in well, let's see, John. We are recording this on uh, Wednesday, and we're so we're right in the middle of this Red Sox series. The Red Sox are in town. Um, tough loss last night. You know, we only had two hits. Um, but what always gets me is, you know, when you have a team like the Red Sox or the Yankees. I mean, this place was, you know, almost filled to capacity, and there were a lot of Red Sox fans here. Uh, it bums me out. Yep. I well, do remember the days where when we were good, you know, we were filling ballparks, uh, opposing team ballparks. Well, the fact that we had one more hit than Chumbawamba is not a good sign. <laughs> but when you have the Red Sox in town, you're right. It is uh, filled to capacity. You get a lot of energy. Tonight's going to be a lot of energy as well. Yes. And I got to tell you, like, I know you've been to Fenway, mm -hmm. one of the great Fenway and, and Wrigley. People always ask me the favorite ballparks. And I say, you got to put those two in a different category. You can't even compare them to any of the new ballparks. But Fenway, we were both at one of the coolest games in baseball history, recent baseball history, the All-Star game that was at mm. Fenway when Ted Williams and 
in a wheelchair, was wheeled out to home plate, and all the players gathered around him. That was awesome. Right? Was that 1999. Awesome? Yeah, because yeah. they, they, uh, it was the all-century team they announced that uh, that night, and I'll never forget. Yeah, Ted Williams. That was great. Uh, coming out. I went awesome. to the I went to the World Class or the Winter Classic uh, that was at Fenway when the Flyers played the Bruins. James Taylor sang. Uh, I guess nice. he sang the national anthem. Did um, he belch it? He did not. He did not belch <laughs> the national anthem. Although that would have been even that would have been better. Um, also, one of the, how about this for a cool game? I went. Do you remember the game where Pedro uh, ran over and and took Don Zimmer by the head oh, yeah. and slammed him down? Yeah, I was at that game. That's crazy. It was and, and That's I, a playoff game, right? Right. Yeah, and, yeah. and I remember being in the stands and I. I Everything all happened. Like the Red Sox ran out on the field, and everyone stood. And I knew it was, I kind of saw what happening, but I didn't really get the full grasp of it until after the game. We went to this place called Daisy Buchanan's, uh, right down, to, you know, walking distance from Fenway, and we saw it on the TV, the replays, and. Man, he really took him down. And the him. funny thing is, Pedro, we got to know Pedro when he played yeah, here. he was a great guy. I love Pedro. Yeah, he was a really great guy. His first interview, his first game was at Wrigley, and I was uh, on the road trip. And we had to, ESPN was doing the game, and we had to find some place for Pedro to do the, because they wanted to get him right after he came out, which was kind of rare in, in, in baseball, especially back then. So we found a place that was, uh, if you remember, you, you were in the clubhouse at Wrigley. You had to go through the dugout. Behind the dugout was like this. It's basically you're like underneath the bleachers. It's like mm-hmm. real dark, and there's you know there's a narrow passageway, and then you had to go zig and zag. Then you got to go up like a ladder or stairs into this tiny cramped locker room. Well, we did it right at the bottom, I guess, of the stairs behind the dugout. And like there's people, the equipment guys coming down, the trainers going up, players coming down, players going up. And Pedro like shook my hand after the interview. It's like thank you. I'm like. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, why are you thanking he me? He was definitely a man of the people. Like, great he was guy. okay. He yeah. he uh, he was great with the fans, and uh, yeah, he was one of those guys. But that was a crazy night. I mean, him and Zimmer. I think Zimmer was a little out of line, and he kind of rushed at Pedro. So he, it's not like he punched him. He just kind of grabbed him by the head yeah. and threw him off to the side. But it was weird. It yep. was uncomfortable to watch. Yep. Um, but we also are going to have. Uh, we're very uh, excited to have Mike Harris. Now, Mike Harris is vice president of marketing and advertising. So he's in charge of social media, advertising campaigns, marketing. So it'll be interesting to hear, especially as, you know, I did the, uh, I tweeted for the team, I guess, a couple of years. And it just, now what we're doing from a social media point of view, it's like I was a caveman back then when I was doing it. You know, I thought it was being clever and, and I thought it was state of the art. Right. I remember some of your tweets. And, you had a couple of good lines in there. <laughs> Come on, what, what was the one? Uh, the, that, uh, was it yeah. John McDonald? Well, as you know, Tom, I like my puns, right? So uh, I'd always try to find something. Uh, you know, I, I had some fun with Cameron Rupp. You know, someone's la- if you get a good last name, you can you can have some fun based on the moment. And sometimes you wait for a moment and then use the line. I sat on this line for a long time. We signed John McDonald. John McDonald was a 38-year-old guy. He's a veteran by the time we I got him, him, right? Uh, wasn't playing much. We'd get no. in sporadically. Well, we're we're and and you can't do it in a losing game. You gotta. I had to save this for the perfect opportunity. Well, it was a perfect opportunity because we were playing somebody. We were already up like ten to two. John uh, McDonald came up with the bases loaded, hits a grand slam. Right. So of course, what do I send out there? Uh, grand slam breakfast at Denny's. No, it was old McDonald. <laughs> <laughs> old McDonald hits a slam. E I E I O. Something like just something really bad. And. <laughs> I was now here's how I was chomping at the bit to put that line out there. All of a sudden, I'm like, he hit a grand slam. I'm like all excited, like tweeting it out, like I got a chance to do it. <laughs> Simple thrills there, Tom. So wait, are you saying that 
they wouldn't tweet something like that out nowadays. It's more sophisticated. Is that what you're saying? No, I think now have some and, humor and we'll talk it. to we'll talk to Mike. Yeah, now yeah. it's more like using emojis and using video and using you know graphics that get sent down, instant replays that mm. get sent down from Major League Baseball. So it's much more. Uh, and, and the way they use the social media is much more fun. I literally was typing out right. less than 140 characters, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah. Now they're using little clips and yeah, pictures. Just, and, and, and video is everything. You know, yeah, they're yeah. Using, so we'll get into Mike talk about that. I'd love to talk to you about some of the advertising campaigns the Phillies yeah. have done throughout the years. So, uh, yeah, he's had a nice career here. He's one of those people who works behind the uh, scenes. You know, we've had our last guest, you know, we've had guys uh, who people recognize right. their names. and uh, But we've also had people who work behind the scenes who kind of make it all happen. Yeah, Chrissy so, and Scott Brandreth. Yeah, yeah. So Mike's uh, one of those. When I, when I think of social media and, and the fanatics impact, you know, uh, everybody now has a, f- a phone camera. Everybody has a camera. Yep. And the reason they do is because they want to post their pictures to Instagram or Facebook. You know, there was a day back, you know, 10, 15 years ago, the Fanatic would pose maybe for like, you know, five pictures a homestand. You know, now when there are 40,000 people in this. Everyone has a phone. Every, there are 40,000 cameras in attendance. And, and nobody they all can want work the phone the quickly either, right? No, no, nobody can. Yeah, the fanatic, that's all he hears all day is, oh, wait, you know, what button do I push? And, you know, <laughs> can I get one more? And, you know, how do you turn this thing on? But uh, do you remember when the fanatic got hit with a foul ball in Lehigh Valley? Yes. Yeah, so uh, it was a talk about viral. It, it's one of those things that went viral. Um, and uh, But I remember that night, I'm with the fanatic. Uh, a foul ball comes into the crowd. The Fanatic is about two, ro- two or three rows behind the dugout. The foul ball skips off the dugout and nails the Fanatic right in the neck. And he went down like a, like a sniper got him, you know, went down. And I knew, oh, man, he's hurt. You yeah, know, the Fanatic hurt. wasn't acting, no. which everyone probably thought he was acting. Oh, everybody was uh, right. cracking up. Right. They're all yeah, laughing. The fanatic is- and the Fanatic's staggering around. He's trying to make it look good. But I'm like, no, I know he's hurt. So went over to the security person who was in charge of the Fanatic that night, and uh, I said, listen, the Fanatic's hurt. we got to get him out of here, you know? Uh, so she called the EMT, and then we got the Fanatic into the aisle, and we went up to the concourse, and sure enough, just like at Citizens Bank Park, there's 50 to 75 people waiting for the Fanatic to get his picture. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, man, okay. So the Fanatic is going through the crowd, and I could tell. I'm like, oh, man, he's hurting. And sure enough, I finally see, here come the EMT guys. I'm like, oh, finally. You know, they're going to get the fanatic out of here, get him to the hospital or whatever. Now, but did they have to get a veterinarian? He <laughs> yeah. went to Lehigh Valley uh, Hospital that night. Okay. It was not a vet. But good question, John. Okay. Uh, you would think. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> <Or an> aviary uh, <laughs> yeah. medical specialist. But I just do remember the EMT guys. It's a true story. There were two guys, and they're running towards the fanatic. I'm like, oh, gosh, he's finally going to get some help. One guy pulls out a camera. The other EMT guy stands next to the fanatic, and they get a picture with the fanatic. <laughs> I can't do <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, they had no idea. He was hurt. He just, they just thought, oh. But uh, we flagged the guys down like, what are you guys doing? Like, you got to attend to him. He's about ready to pass out, you know. <laughs> so it, it has changed a lot hasn't it john social media it's kind of changed everything well, we yeah, do around yeah here. you know what i just thought of something too is when i was tweeting the games i remember one time I, I as you know i played in a men's league ice hockey league so i figured you know if something happened i would have you know five minutes to tweet something out right unless something big happened but nothing big's ever gonna what could happen big that i'd have to timely you know get get that out so i literally brought the phone onto the bench so i'm playing this men's league ice hockey league and right before um, I'm checking the game, like on, I guess, whatever, the uh, game center. I'm checking the, and right before I'm supposed to cut, my guy's coming off the ice and I'm going to be getting on, 
Ryan Howard hits a grand slam. And so I, I take my gloves off, and I'm trying to, like, say, <laughs> Ryan Howard hits a grand slam to put the Phillies up 5-1. And the guy's like, Brazier, Brazier, you're up, you're up. I'm like, stay out there, stay out there. I got a tweet. <laughs> <laughs> and it's hard to tweet with hockey gloves on. With hockey on, gloves, very yes, hard, yeah. Yes, yeah. Well, um, well, we'll get to uh, Mike is going to be coming out. Uh, again, we're saying we're in the middle of this uh, Boston Red Sox series. Been crazy. I do have one stat, John, I have to throw at you. First of all, they're, they're 51 games it's crazy. above 500. You know? well, how many games up are they on the Baltimore Orioles? 49 and a half games. That's crazy. On August 15th. That yeah. is crazy. Uh, so they have no chance. <laughs> I think they were mathematically eliminated yesterday, as a matter right. of fact. But there, uh, I did a little math, actually, uh, John. And I think to the, the Mets in 62 lost 120 games. If the Orioles lose, if they uh, win six games or less, they win six games and that's it, they'll hit the 120 mark. But they've got to go six and 36, I think it is. And that. that <laughs> that would really be bad, but they well, might. But, but the tough part is in September. That's when you play all your division rivals. All the division so they're going to have to play the you know the They'll Yankees and the Red and the Yankees, the Red Sox, and no Machado. Yeah, the Royals are thirty six and eighty three, so they're right there. But they're they're thirty two games out. They're not mathematically eliminated yet. But uh, can you imagine? Yeah. Ouch. Well. You know, I know. I know. At some point, we're going to get Ramos uh, up in yeah. Philadelphia. So yeah. I'm, I'm not sure when that is, but uh, yeah, we, we we need a spark plug. We need. To, it's good to see um, Reese Hoskins yep. uh, getting the home run last night. So we, yep. we need a little spark plug to get this offense going. Yeah. Well, it's going to happen. And uh, well, let's uh, take a little break, John, and we'll bring Mike Harrison here. Okay. And we'll be back right after this. Bring your family to a Phillies game this season, and your kids can play as hard as the athletes. At The Yard at Citizens Bank Park, you'll find free activities like the Citizens Bank Fan Field, the Fanatic Rock Climbing Wall, and even a mini bullpen for your littlest pitchers. Plus, there's the Turkey Hill Ice Cream Bar and a special Hatfield Franks Hot Dog Launcher. It's all new right in The Yard at Citizens Bank Park, open before and during every Phillies home game. For tickets or info, visit phillies.com. We are back, Phillies backstage, and Mike Harris has just joined us. Mike, I had to look it up, actually, Mike, because I, I even sat and I said to Mike, I said, man, I'm so happy we're interviewing Mike, you today, Mike, because I'm finally going to get a chance to find out exactly what you do I don't know here. what either you two do either, so <laughs> You're we looking at up it. a lot of things right now, particularly <laughs> the guy on my left. I, mean, right, I kind of know what you do. Yeah, I don't, I've been going under the, under the radar for 25 <laughs> years. So, so Mike, if, if you find out, don't tell people. <laughs> I think you're looking at it. This is what we do, Mike, and we're having a great time. I tell you what, and we're going to get into it because actually what we're doing is basically under your supervision, I think, <laughs> or lack thereof. I'm paying the bills on this, basically. That's, that's my but role in this. Mike Harris is the vice president. How about that, John? He's a freaking vice president of marketing and new media. That's awesome. Good for you. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? <laughs> good for you. <laughs> Whatever that means, it sounds good. New media. Well, we, before you came in here, we were talking about social media and how uh, it's changed uh, everybody's life, uh, you know, when, when it comes to marketing, you know, for sure, all, all aspects of it. So uh, yeah, I, I felt I, I was saying that when I did when I tweeted the games, I was like Y A Twiddle or what's that, what's his name Y A Tittle, the guy like I'm talking about like like Y A Tittle was a 
quarterback. I know. The, I'm, Giants. I'm, I'm saying some way back when compared to, you know, Carson Wentz yes. now. Like, they're yes. so advanced that yeah. I basically was, you know, they weren't even throwing the ball back when I was, you know, tweeting. So it's it's really remarkable how they're using video. You know, are we jumping right into this? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I because. I don't want to regress, but I, the, <laughs> when we talk about social media and Braves, and the one thing that always comes to mind is his world-famous tweet. Oh, we we might have talked about this already. Did yeah. you? The old McDonald hit a yes. bomb. Yeah. Yeah, hit a bomb. Yeah. 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 And if, if I didn't quit right there i don't know what, what i mean that was oh, that I, was a blend of creativity and psychosis I yeah think. so it i had was, a lot and i had some worse ones too so believe me <laughs> and this is again before video and, mm. and mlb sending you know us stuff and you know it was a one-person operation and then occasionally to have a couple other people and now it's now it's a whole you got a whole team down yeah, there. i mean the whole thing has changed obviously and and the way that we engage, connect with, and talk to our fans has evolved dramatically over the last 10, even five years. And social media is a microcosm of that. And we've come a long way. I mean, there was a couple of years ago, we're joking about it, but when social media sort of exploded and came on the scene, I think a lot of companies and sports teams and, and everyone sort of struggled with how to harness it and use it effectively. And everyone was kind of all over the place. But over time, strategies formulated, people started you know, coming up with... Um, defined campaigns and and certain voices and tones and over the last 10 years the whole thing has kind of evolved and we've come a long way we've got a great staff tim stokel and missy perez are our social media voice um megan tullis helps us out with a lot of content development and the three of them have really formulated an incredible team and they understand who we want to be and what we want our voice to reflect as an organization and as a brand and we're starting to see the fruits of a lot of labor and a lot of investment in them over the last couple of years and look the best testament is the reaction from our fans which has been overwhelmingly positive but that doesn't mean we're resting on our laurels we've got a long way to go clearly the digital space changes every day and if you think you've got a good handle on it and a good um, you know, a good litmus test on what's going on. You're kidding yourself because it's just constantly evolving. And so. just d- just to let the listeners know, there's a lot of platforms. So for Twitter, how many Twitter followers do the Phillies have? We've got we've got over 1.7 million Twitter followers, which is a remarkable number. Right. It really is. Mm. And just a, at a push of a button, you can send out an advertisement. You can send out a message. Send out, you know, you push something out that, that we want, you know, promoted. Yeah, and it's important to know that when you send a tweet or any sort of post, on social media, you're generally not reaching all of your followers. You're right. reaching a, a subset of them. But our Twitter followers, we have a lot of followers within the region, but we also have a lot of followers that are throughout the country, even international. So from a branding standpoint, it's a very important mechanism and tactic for us. And it's one of the reasons why you don't want to oversaturate your channels with too many sales messages and PR messages. And you have Facebook, too, which could be different messages, right, to different audiences. Different platforms, different strategies, different styles, different... You have Instagram, um, obviously, and you got... Instagram, Snapchat. Snapchat, yeah. Um, Reddit's becoming a big platform that MLB is really starting to embrace, and I think next year we're going to really dive into that as well. So, again, that's just another indication of how things are constantly changing, and it's exhausting, quite frankly. Yeah, and, and some come and go. Like Vine was big, like, what, six Vine years ago? Vine was all the rage, right? right. Uh, now it's it's gone. Um, the, the one... MySpace. MySpace, yeah. right? And that was sort of the, mm-hmm. the granddaddy of them all, mm-hmm. and, and Facebook kind of... Uh, overwhelm them pretty quickly. So. Do, you me- do you remember when Larry Anderson, uh, Scott Fransky said, Larry, this is a while ago, he said, Larry, are you, uh, are you a big social media guy? He goes, yeah, I tried that MyFace and uh, Spacebook. Yeah, those two things. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, all for the good, Mike. I mean, this whole idea of uh, the Phillies as an organization can reach out individually to our fans. Uh, it, it's got to be a good thing, right? Oh, it's a great thing. And, and again, it comes back to the original point, which is how the marketing world is really changed and evolved and there's just been a massive transformation with everything in terms of digital marketing the adoption of social media the increased targeting and analytics you can get in advertising the rise of bloggers and influencers there's so much more so the actual definition of marketing has changed and i think the creation of this marketing and new media department is an acknowledgement and a commitment by the organization to continue adapting and ensure we're appropriately ahead of the curve given the ever-changing landscape of how we talk to and market to our fans. Yeah, and how does the players fit into that? Because I know uh, Gabe Kapler, I thought it was really interesting when he came on board this year, you know, he talked to the players, and he challenged them to be more active on uh, our social media platforms. They had does a contest that, for the, yeah, the most yeah, followers. Yeah, and obviously that helps us as an organization when our players are, are reaching out. Totally. I mean, look, everything that's an extension of our brand sort of falls under the umbrella, the same umbrella. So whether it's at Phillies, whether it's the players, whether it's Gabe himself, whether it's the fanatic, whether it's the broadcasters, um, whether it's front office people, I mean, everything impacts the image and the perception of this organization. So getting everybody on the same page, which is not, which is something quite frankly, we didn't do very well the last couple of years, but when Gabe came in, he kind of reset things and he, he proactively reached out to our department and said, Let's make sure we work together. Let's make sure we coordinate so we're all on the same page. And that's just an indication of how smart he is and how special mm. he is and how different of a manager he is. Yeah. Um, and, and about you know five years ago, like there was maybe a handful of guys that were on social media on, for every, for, on the team. Right, maybe like five to ten guys, if that. Yeah, and now it's 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 pretty much everybody on the team at some platform, and you have the manager. We've never had a manager that was active on social media. Very few managers are, and that's growing. But you know, guys like Reese Hoskins is a perfect example. I mean, he really gets it. He's embraced it. He understands. We've worked with him directly. We've coordinated on different things, and um, and it's all kind of coming together. And it's really nice. I mean, the team's getting better. Everybody's coordinating and, and, and working from a digital perspective. And anything that we can do to continue that will just further intensify the connection between the fans, the players, and the organization, which is the ultimate goal of what we're doing. Mm -hmm. All right. How about uh, advertising? So you yeah. also oversee advertising. Now, it's interesting that Gabe, you know, gave us basically gave us a gift this year, right? Because <laughs> he, he basically came out with a Be Bold, right? With a hashtag Be Bold. And then... We've kind of taken that and adopted that as someone of our slogan. Yeah, thank Gabe all the time for sort of doing half of our job this year <laughs> and coming up with it. I'm not sure we've ever had a, a uh, manager, coach, player that's actually created a campaign for us, so it was great. But, um, look, it's a different organization now on a couple different levels, and I think Gabe's statement was – um, embraced by the city it was embraced by the organization it was embraced by the players and so from our standpoint it was the perfect tie-in to how we want to market this club and market this current team and look it was a fairly i mean <laughs> be bold is a bold statement in itself mm -hmm. and clearly at the beginning of the year when we were struggling there was some discomfort that maybe we were a little too aggressive and bit off a little bit more than we could slogans can come on. back to bite they you they can i mean you and i were both involved yep. in a campaign many many years ago in 2000 um when it was bring it on and we had just signed i think andy ashby and we did yeah we had kurt schilling and the organization really thought we were about to take a step forward and we said let's go for it so 
our campaign was bringing on, and we finished what. 65. And, and how many times do those words come back to Wait, haunt us? We owe you print, one. I always think we owe you right. one with it's the Sixers. Exactly. And, uh, exactly. That was a killer. And we still talk about this. But there, there are risks in any kind of campaign. But we mm. felt, we collectively felt at the beginning of the year that we were we had a fresh start and we had a dynamic manager and we wanted to support him and ultimately it's it's worked out so it's been a it's been a fun year do the, do the players like being in commercials you know you would think you know the, the civilian crowd we'd all love to be in commercials but the players are so inundated with media as it is do you think they they enjoy just i mean it's a blanket statement obviously but for the most part do you think players enjoy being in the phillies commercials I mean, or I on think, the billboards i think they ultimately enjoy it but you guys know this as well as anybody tv production is actually one of the most boring things you can do. Everyone thinks it's this glamorous, fun, you know, just glitz in Hollywood. And it's a lot of sitting around. It's a lot of shooting the same thing 15 different ways from 15 different angles. And it's 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 a long, long – I mean, it, it can take an entire day to shoot a 30-second commercial. So, However, you know, how many years did we start this uh, – kind of this campaign, mini campaign with the Philly Fanatic – um, in spring training, we, we shoot commercials with the players. And I think it stemmed from we had a new team a f- number of years ago. And, you know, it's a good way to uh, introduce some of our newer players to, to the, the fans and to include the fanatics. So now, I'm like, I get the sense that, especially the guys who've been here a few years, like, they kind of like, oh, we're getting selected for one of those fanatic Completely. commercials. And that's yeah. totally changed. The fanatic's a selling point, right? If there's any hesitancy, I mean, we try to shoot a lot of things in spring training. There's a lot going on. But when you tell them the fanatic's going to be a part of it, they change their tune. Nice. And we've invested so much in that concept the last couple of years. You guys have come up with some amazing creative things. And they're so much fun. And the players look forward to them now. Our fans look forward to them. We get emails and tweets and say, when are the commercials coming out? So, it, again, it's a great way to promote our guys. And it's a fun way, right? It's a lighthearted way. It's, a, it's an easy way to sort of break their monotony and allow them to do something that's a little bit different in the course of a long spring training process. But things don't always go exactly as planned, John. Uh, two years ago, we were filming uh, the first installment of the uh, Cameron roommates. Rupp uh, roommate uh, commercial where the Fanatic and uh, Rupp are roommates during spring training. And uh, we had the great idea to, you know, uh, the Fanatic is a big party animal and he's got his friends, the Galapagos gang over. He's trashing the room. Rupp is, you know, complaining. And uh, he has, uh, uh, Fanatic brought his own smoke machine and a disco ball and disco lights. So he was turning the, the hotel room into a disco, basically. Well, the uh, smoke machine set off the fire alarm at the Safety Harbor Hotel and Spa, and they had to evacuate the hotel. So uh, we only know. got one take of that. Did you did you use it? That uh, we didn't use no, it for a couple reasons. It. It, 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 when you watched it, it looked like it was something different. Other than yeah, the smoke machine. didn't look like fog machine. It looked right. like something different. Maybe the fanatic was doing something yes. uh, else in that room. <laughs> fast, fast times, Ridgemont High. Exactly. Coming out of a van. A little Spicoli action. Right. But that's when I really uh, understood the importance Mike Harris has to this organization <laughs> because Mike was the guy outside the hotel talking to all the fire companies right. and the police who came for the fire, and he was trying to say, oh, you know, sorry, uh, you can go I back had to now. tap into my political uh, savvy here. I, let's just say right, that right. the uh, Clearwater Fire Department showed up on the ticket comp list a couple times <laughs> later in spring training. Well, how about this one? Do you remember the other one? We fi- were filming a commercial out here in the Concord and somebody, somebody in the film production crew left behind something wrapped. I think it was hot dogs that were that were wrapped in in tinfoil. Oh and, wow! And they and they thought it was a. Are we <laughs> right going to go there? Well, 
Uh-huh. <laughs> Mike, were you part of that? that it, was uh, a, shoot? it was a hot dog that was wrapped in tin foil. Right. It was left in the first base gate, and I don't remember if it was a fan or an employee who noticed it, but yeah. they they called it in and and to back up called the, the bomb squad. Mark, right? Yeah, what, just to back up. That, that's one of my favorite stories. So uh, the ha- the hot dog launcher was made. Hatfield wanted to do a commercial. We were shooting a commercial on the field at about two o'clock in the afternoon, and we're shooting hot dogs clear out of the ballpark. You know, just having a good time. The shoot was over well uh, some of the hot hot dogs landed in the first base plaza (laughs) three hot dogs (laughs) and so i'm in my office this is a true story i'm in my office and there are people going by my office door i'm like what's going on they said did you hear there's a bomb scare they're thinking about evacuating the building the the gates had not been opened yet like a bomb scare and they're like yeah it's on the news no this is it's like a tv (laughs) i turn on the tv (laughs) and there is a reporter reporting live from action news at five o'clock saying we're here at south philly there's a bomb square scare at Sins bank park (laughs) and uh, apparently they found three oblong packages (laughs) wrapped in duct tape and they went went back on video and saw who the culprit was i ran down the hall dave bucks uh, our uh, he was our vp of marketing at the time i go into his office i'm like dave they're not that's not a bomb they're hot dogs they're hot dogs he tries to called down to Mike Stiles and Bonnie Clark. You may have been down there trying to handle the bomb squad who had showed up. And sure enough, they couldn't get the word out to them, and they detonated the hot dogs on Patterson <laughs> Avenue, blew up three hot dogs, and disintegrated. We all, we, and the whole <laughs> Phillies organization got cleared out of the building. Yeah, they were, and the players My were being... My office actually overlooks the first base. Yeah. They, they, and I tried to sneak back in and take a look, and they, they cleared the whole area out. And the, the first base plaza smelled like hot dog juice for like a week. <laughs> <laughs> they blew those things to smithereens. You were the culprit for that. Well, the fanatic was. Listen, I'm I'm just a, an, an innocent bystander, but uh, I'm sorry if you got drugged into that one, Mike. Sorry about that. Uh, hey, we have more stories to tell. It's great having you here, Mike. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Bring your family to a Phillies game this season, and your kids can play as hard as the athletes. At the Yard at Citizens Bank Park, you'll find free activities like the Citizens Bank Fan Field, the Fanatic Rock Climbing Wall, and even a mini bullpen for your littlest pitchers. Plus, there's the Turkey Hill Ice Cream Bar and a special Hatfield Frank's Hot Dog Launcher. It's all new, right in the yard at Citizens Bank Park, open before and during every Phillies home game. For tickets or info, visit phillies.com. And we're back. Phillies backstage. We're here with uh, Mike Harris, Vice President of Marketing and New Media. And, Mike, we were talking earlier, uh, John and I, about how it's been so cool having great guests on and uh first of all and having you here you know we feel like we're giving people a little bit of an idea of what happens behind the scenes you know you do work behind the scenes but one of the cool things is the uh, most of the people who work here are people who grew up around here and who grew up loving the phillies it really is cool because i think i think if you go to other cities you know maybe further out west uh, you know wherever where there's not that tight community you don't see that and certainly we've had a lot of people who've been here for a long time but I just love the fact that, you know, you grew up in Philadelphia and now you're working for the Phillies. How Dream cool is that? Dream come true, right? Yeah. We were born and raised. I'm a city kid. Uh, grew up in the city. Still live in the city. Big believer in, in, you know, living in the city and supporting city initiatives and things of that nature. So His, his high school had a soccer field on top of the roof. 
That's the coolest thing. Yeah, well, I was lucky what? enough to go to a place called Friend Select, which yeah, uh, which street's that on? It's on Seventeenth in the Parkway, oh, and because right, we're right, right downtown, right. we don't have any access to field. So the roof is actually a combination field hockey, tennis, soccer field. The the, the surface is like a Brillo pad. You know, you slide right. down and you you wind up in the hospital. Yeah, it sounds better than it really it, was. It sounds <laughs> great. Right? Is there netting up there in case someone like hits a really high the ball? The wall is probably about fifty feet high, so it would take a a pretty good, pretty good effort to get it over that wall. That's pretty impressive. And you played it's soccer, like the Berlin Wall. Played soccer. Basketball mm-hmm. was actually my biggest, uh, was my favorite sport growing up. I was a huge basketball fan, but obviously at five nine and, and you know at least then 165 pounds, there were limitations to my. Did to you my play in the employee basketball league down downstairs? We used to have some yeah. some crazy games down there. The BBL. And, um, you know, it was funny. I ran into A.J. Preller, who's the GM of the San Diego Padres, who used to be an intern here many years ago. And A.J. was an incredible basketball player. I think he played at Cornell. He did? Yeah. And he used to play down there. And we were reminiscing about some of those games. And um, they were no joke. A couple people wound up going to the hospital, (laughs) a bunch of broken ribs. I I went up in the hospital. Yeah, yeah. Not quite the hospital. No, it was the hospital. I cut open my my leg and uh, needed stitches. I didn't know that. Who did that? Uh, I don't know, but I know Dennis Manya drove me uh, drove me home, and then my dad took me to the hospital. My, my guess was Gene <laughs> Diaz, who's now the PR director for the Astros, had something to do. He with was that. aggressive. I think Gene Gene wasn't sure if he was playing football or basketball. Out there. I, think that was I might have been problem. trying to box Mage McDonald out actually for a rebound <laughs> and uh, <laughs> picking on ninety year olds. But uh, so th- that makes sense. You were into basketball, Mike, because you went to University of Michigan. Why Why University of Michigan? I went to University, visited campus, and fell in love with it. Nice. And I was done right there. Ann Arbor is just a beautiful place to go to school and. Um, I had this grand idea to, that I was going to walk onto the basketball team there, which obviously was delusional in, re- in retrospect. But absolutely, I got, I, it, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm a big believer in life. You got to go for it. So nice. I got to campus and found out where the guys were working out because at least back then there was a there were a lot of limitations on formal practices versus informal practices. But I f- found out where they were, went down, introduced myself finagle my way into a couple of games and it became clear about 10 seconds into the experience that I was going to get my tail kicked all over the place because ultimately that was a team that I think had either 9 or 10 NBA players. Wow. And not just bench guys. Wait, were you the same year as the Fab Five? So, well, the the irony is that everybody remembers Michigan for the Fab Five. Right. But three years before that, in 1989, when I was a freshman, we won the national championship with a completely different team. Guys like Glenn Rice and Terry Mills and yep. Boy Vaught, Ramil Robinson, mm. Sean Higgins. There were a couple other guys on that team that actually turned into really big basketball executives. A guy named Mark Hughes is now the assistant GM for the Clippers. And Rob Palinka, who was a freshman and a friend of mine um, at Michigan, turned into a really big sports agent. He represented Kobe Bryant for a while, and now he's the GM of the Lakers. Wow. Mm. So it became a little bit of a pipeline for um, some front office people as well. But it was, I tried to walk on. I got my butt kicked, walked into the coach's office, asked them if I you know, had a chance, and they said no. <laughs> um, but there was a stack of applications on the coach's desk when I was having this conversation with him. And he said, look, you're a nice kid. The guys know you. How would you like to join our staff as one of our managers? I don't feel like going through six inches of applications. And I had no idea what I was committing to or getting offered. And I just said, sure, what the heck? I figured I'll do it for a little while. If it doesn't work out, I'll just walk away. And six months later, we're in Seattle, Washington, cutting down the nets, winning the national championship. And it's an incredible experience. So did you get a ring? Got a ring. You Uh, still have it, obviously? Still have it. They're a lot smaller than the rings that they give out now. Yeah. 
but for a 17 or 18 year old, it was a really remarkable experience. And I always say I got two educations at Michigan. I got the traditional education and I got sort of a real life practical education because you got to deal with a whole bunch of different personalities, the players, the coaches, um, the athletic department. One of the stories I always tell was um, I think we were playing Indiana one year and they were ranked either first or second. And one of my jobs was to oversee the department's ticket allocation. So we come out of the locker room and it's a nationally televised game and there's two Indiana fans sitting in the front row right behind the Michigan section. And I was responsible for that area. So Coach Fisher pulls me aside and he says, who are those guys? I'm like, I don't know who they are. And he says, well, you got to get rid of them. So I go over, try to have a conversation, get into an argument. He's got a kid with him. The kid starts to cry. Make a long story short, we kick them out. We put them somewhere else. Turns out the guy's an FBI agent. So he winds up suing the university and suing me. Turns into a big PR nightmare. There was a big article in the paper about it. And the coaches were so pissed off at me because they thought I had made the mistake. But ultimately, one of the assistant coaches left tickets for someone who then gave them to this guy. Um, but it's just a microcosm of that entire experience. Wow. You just get to learn a lot of different things. Wow, that makes my Colorado story look like it's nothing. <laughs> you guys discussed that before? We did, yeah. yes. Yeah, yes. Debbie Nacido wants to come wow. on and refute everything. I, no, I, but, didn't uh, get, I didn't get sued by the FBI, though. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure that's a badge of honor. but. So then what? how did you – So you took that, you graduated college, and, and then right afterwards you applied Phillies? Yeah, so, well – just to wrap up the Michigan story, my senior year was when the Fab Five came around. And I was actually going to quit my senior year and just sort of be a student. But after watching these guys play on their own for a couple of minutes, it was pretty clear how special they were going to be. And Chris Weber and Jalen Rose and Jawan Howard and Jimmy King. Jimmy King. And who was the fifth? Um, if he said it, I would know it. Um, I don't know. A guy named Ray Jackson. Ray Jackson, kind of yes. Un unsung. Yep member of that team but they made it all the way back to the finals and again to be a part of that experience as a senior was just tremendous but I got out of school and I think that opened the door here at the Phillies they saw that I had some administrative experience from an athletic department standpoint at least got me an interview got my foot in the door and did you apply to the other sports teams or just baseball? I didn't know what I wanted to do I was just trying to find a job quite frankly and a little bit really of finance uh, background too Is a little bit of business background mm -hmm. yep. Um, yep. my first job here was in ticket operations and sales and then ultimately got moved into finance to work for the for Jerry Clothier who we talked about um, and he sort of took me under his wing he became a mentor became such an important person in my life and um, brought me onto the, the CBP development team. So we worked on site selection, legislative approvals, the financing. And, um, and then once that, that happened, then we opened Citizens Bank Park in 2004. We had to refinance all the debt for, um, we had to refinance all the debt. And then my job was kind of over. And I was actually thinking about leaving and just doing something else. And then Dave Buck, who you mentioned earlier, said, the marketing department's going to grow. How would you like to come over here? And it was sort of a weird transition from finance to marketing, not really a traditional career path. But again, I said, what the heck, let's give it a shot. And um, I've been here for 22 years. All awesome. right, so you mentioned Jerry Clothier, who um, unfortunately Jerry passed about how many years ago? Passed away seven years ago. Who is uh, one of my favorites. Uh, I, I drove Jerry home a lot. And he was he was a man of many interests. You could talk to him about movies, books, concerts, politics, anything. And he, he was he was he very knowledgeable about everything. But I know that you had your bachelor party 
and uh, you decided to go to Brazil to Carnival, and you took Jerry, right? I'm very lucky. My best friend is incredibly wealthy. He runs a hedge fund in New York, so he thinks at a different scale than most people. And so he decided we were going to go to Carnival, and it was a very small group. But Jerry and Richard Dietz, who used to work here, also came um, to Brazil, and it was an unbelievable <laughs> experience. I'm sure you can't tell all the happy I stories. Can't, I'm not going to tell any stories <laughs> from there. Um, but we, we took our tuxedos down, went to a formal party at the Copacabana Hotel, which oh, was there you go. an all-night charade that got completely out of control, <laughs> went hang gliding off the side of a mountain. Wow. Uh, Brazil's a beautiful country. I mean, all kidding aside, you know, you think about Carnival and you assume it's sort of seedy and cheesy, and it's really not. It's, it's a celebration of life. It's a beautiful thing. And the Samba Drome, which is actually where Carnival is, it's a stadium that's a mile long. It's mm. a mile-long stadium. Mm. And what happens is the parade starts at one end, and they have an hour to get all the way through to the other end, and they just do this all night. Mm. And it's it's a really incredible experience if anybody's fortunate So is it all over it. a 24-hour period? Carnival's more of a weekend, sort of a week right. festival, uh, but the parade itself is one or two days, and that's sort of the core the core part of it. It's, it's, I still have the pictures from it. It's amazing. You know, and then you really are a renaissance guy because you, you got the sports background and finance, marketing, and you've got this kind of this music. You, all of a sudden, you're kind of our resident uh, music guy because you were one of the ones who helped us start uh, some of our post-game concerts. And how did that all come about? And I know your your specialty is electronic dance music, and that's kind of how it started when we had that one group at uh, Ashburn Alley, right? Electronic dance music, it's a kind of genre whether you either hate it or love it. There's no in-between, and it's become very popular in this country over the last 10 years and i'm a big fan and i used to go and say look why don't we try to blend electronic dance music and baseball into one event and try to meld the two fan bases together so i think it was 2013 we had a dutch duo named w and w and first of all isn't it it's it's huge over in i mean it's huge here it's huge here but but it's huge it was huge in europe first right and it kind of came over to here correct right and um it was a little unusual for them. They didn't, they've never been to a baseball game. They didn't know what they were getting into, but we convinced them to do a post-game concert, and it was July 4th weekend, so you guys know a lot of people are out of town. It's kind of hard to bring people here. We had about 3,000 people that hung out after the game. We put them into the, into the rooftop on Ashburn Alley, brought some, some boards in, some lasers in, and it was quite a scene out there. It was very cool. I remember that night. It was really cool. The Ashburn Alley was packed, and uh, I didn't know these guys at all, but everybody seemed to know the music. Music and is, you know jumping up a lot at the of same jumping time. up and down <laughs> yeah. right a lot a lot of crazy stuff one like guy was climbing the flagpole <laughs> and <laughs> we, it was target yeah, practice now, loved wait, it. did you get nervous watching all that because this is the first concert your 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 signatures all over this thing <laughs> and you know it's it's an EDM concert so God knows what what's going on oh, were you a little nervous uh, very nervous Mike Styles who was our COO at the time said to me beforehand you know if this doesn't go well you're in trouble and he was <laughs> half kidding half serious right. and then when the guy started to climb the flagpole he came up to me. He's like, you better get your resume ready. <laughs> but what's by the end of the night, he's it's like, like a ah, visa. A came to Citizens Bank Park, right? Well, you know, look, we had a lot of people that came to a game that normally yeah, wouldn't come to a game, and that's what this post-game concert program is really designed to do. Mm-hmm. So it started with some EDM. Jamie Trout's sort of taken it over now, and he's done an amazing job and brought some really really huge names in here. We have had the Avid Brothers. Oh, and the Avid Brothers. When Jamie came in and said, hey, we're thinking about having the Avid Brothers, I said, oh, my God. <laughs> like, I love those guys. They were great. Yeah, they were phenomenal. It's a, brand, it's a different demographic different. Than, than Zed or uh, from you know the different country artists we've had. Yep. 
Chase Rice, Hunter Hayes. This year we have Old Dominion coming up at the um, this Friday. Friday. Yeah, We're yeah. gonna have a huge crowd. We're gonna have over forty thousand for them. So it's really a neat way to sort of diversify the fan base that we bring in here. It keeps it fresh for us, right? It's yeah, not it's, fun. it's not a normal day, and it's been a really successful program. And are you amazed at the technology now that we can wheel out a, a stage, uh, you know, plug it in basically, and the sound sounds really good. You know, Jamie, again, who, who, who quarterbacks this ever yeah. for us, I know one of his big concerns was having to deal with our groundskeeper when mm. we first started talking about this because rolling a, a very heavy stage onto the field is something that can easily do a lot of damage, and obviously we've got to be careful, and the priority's got to be maintaining the integrity of the field. But even the technology for there, you would never know that something that heavy was rolled onto the field. There's no impressions. There's no damage. And the whole thing is just incredible. They set up the stage within less than 10 minutes. Yeah. As long as there's no rain and it's a good night, it's it's almost like riding a bike right now. So, so Friday's going to be a lot of fun. For my buddy Tom Burgoyne, because uh, he's too embarrassed to admit this uh, or to ask you this, that he would like Jackson Brown to play a post-game <laughs> concert if you if you can. We, he, he may have appeared. We, we've had a lot of names appear on the list. Um, well, he'd be a headliner. He he headlined it with uh, know, James Taylor Wrigley Field last year, and this year it was uh, James Taylor and uh, the but Eagles. A, but a full-on concert, but not after a game correct. concert. Correct. Right. Come on, he's a Hall of Famer, right. John. Now I'm going to have the Grateful Dead or Dead and Company. <laughs> there have been some Jackson big names Brown. that have been on the list that we've been approached by, and obviously, you know, there's a cost issue as mm. well. Um, but you'd be surprised. And and the more success we have with this, the bigger names we're going to try to bring in. And right. I know Jamie's already thinking about who we're going to bring in next year. We had Zed this year, which is sort of mainstream yeah. EDM, that was quite a scene. I it knew about Zed through my daughter Charlotte, who listened to that Meet Me in the Middle, whatever it's called. Right? Something like that. Something yeah. like that. But, but I would like String Cheese Incident. That, that'd be my request. You put your string request in? I want String incident. Cheese Incident, yes. He's a, John's a jam band guy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fun. If you're a country music fan, hopefully people will come out this Friday and then keep an eye out for who we're going to have next year. Awesome. Well, I think, John, it's that time. John, do you know, Mike, and I know, like I said, you, you kind of supervise us right now with this podcast. So, as you know, John get, will be giving you a trivia challenge. It was going to be eight questions. Now it's seven questions. <laughs> yeah, well, no, you got the one question right. I, I can ask you a question. You're going to get it right. <laughs> All right. John, why don't you take it away? And, Mike, just so you know. What's the you, prize? Yeah, yes, the, what does he win? The prize, I'm going to tell you right I can tell you. He wins the IBEW I Local 98 Jake Arrieta nickname T-shirt given away to all fans 14 under on Saturday at 4.05 p.m. when the Phils take on the New York Mets. You didn't have to read that at all. I was fumbling for my phone like, hey, it's the IBEW Local 98 Jake Arrieta. You know. So, yeah, it's a, it's a shirt that said snake on the back. That's his nickname. Because <laughs> it's, it's, it's player weekend yes. uh, this weekend, right? Yeah, it's going to be awesome. And so the players are putting on all the different their, – their They're actual fun jerseys. Yep. Next yep. weekend. Next weekend sorry yeah, the following weekend. weekend right yep all right so eight questions i'm going to give you the, the first one you already got Do I have so to get them all right for the t-shirt no or? six of eight six of eight but you've already gotten one because that question is which I'll, give it to you. which I'll repeat again is um uh what year was the uh in what year was the phillies marketing slogan bring it on and you know the answer 2000. is 2000. Right. There it is. So, right. So we finished last that league in runs. Uh, we were 65-97. Kurt Schilling got traded. Frank Kona got fired. Uh, it was not a bring-it-on season. <laughs> but you are one for one. Thanks for starting this off on a bottom. No, All right. Good. Now, we, we go to the area of expertise. Okay? So you have several areas of expertise of which I, I called my, uh, my knowledge, my questions here. So 
When Chris Weber called a timeout in the 1993 NCAA Men's Basketball uh, Championship game, which I'm sure you were, uh, that, that's probably bringing up another bad another memory. Bad memory. <laughs> How many seconds were left? Is it A, 6, B, 10, C, 11, D, 8? How many seconds were that's left a good when, he, when he called timeout in the 1993 that's NCAA really Men's Basketball I Championship game? I don't think game. I know the answer to this. I'm going to say. That would be burning into my. Yeah, six, really. Because you know, ten, once he did it, Mike, you probably looked up at the clock. So you, you know, six, t- six seconds, <laughs> ten seconds, eleven seconds, eight seconds. I'm going to say eight seconds. Eleven seconds. Eleven How about seconds, that? Boy. I, I would have thought it was lower too. Believe yeah. it or not. All right. All there's right. one wrong. All right. That's all right. Who led? You want to f- kick me in the groin now? Too? Not yet. I mean, not bring yet. it on. <laughs> the timeout. <laughs> Anything yet. else to make Who? me feel like crap? It's well, you weren't to bring it on. You were not. You were, I was just as guilty as you were on that. Who led the Fab Five in scoring during his freshman year, averaging 17.6 points per game? Was it Jalen Rose, Chris Weber, Jawan Howard, or Jimmy King? Jalen Rose. Jalen Rose. All right. So yeah, I gave you another layup. Okay. This could be a layup too. I just have no idea because now we're entering into the EDM world, electronic dance music. All right. Which of these acts does not include siblings? Okay, is it A. Orbital, B. Disclosure, C. Chemical Brothers, D. Cruella, E. Nervo? <laughs> is that is that a question? <laughs> Do you know what I even said, Tom? I have no idea. I would ask you to repeat it, but I don't want to put people through that that much pain. The acts that did I'll not say include- Nervo. No, it was Chemical Brothers. They threw you off with the ah, Brothers thing, right? All right. Which DJ slash producer is the youngest out of these four? Uh, and by the way, you got to get the next six right. Or uh, four right. And sometimes we're a little No pressure. Lenient. The youngest out of these four. Zed, Avicii. No, I know Avicii passed away. Zed, Avicii, Martin Garrix, or Porter Robinson? I'll say Martin Garrix. Martin Garrix is correct. All right, look at you. Did you know back all four? Back on track. I did know. John, that. you're you're reverting back to your f- old really form of butchering this, this thing the trivia. Deteriorated quickly. <laughs> which <laughs> Mike? Just right. a note. Which DJ wrote? I think I'm not even going to do this question. I just like the the names. Which DJ wrote? I think given about an hour of instruction, anyone with minimal knowledge of ablation and music tech in general could do what I'm doing at a concert. Was that Steve Aoki? Dead Mal Five, Diplo, Calvin Harris, or Moby? <laughs> Do you, have you heard of all of them? If you've heard of all of them, you get the answer correct. Yeah, I have heard of okay, all of them. Okay, you get it correct. Ding, ding, ding. You get it correct. Who was it? It's Dead Mal Five. Yeah. All right, we got. We just have two more. Thank God in these two. Ready? Which of these is not an EDM subgenre? Okay. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I just love the names here. Is it A. Grime, B. Moom Botten, C. Gabber, D. Molly House, E. Nintendo Core? Have you heard all these five? I haven't heard any of them. Wow, you've never heard any of them. Molly, no. Molly House is the correct yeah, answer. Molly's got a bad right, this, this is gonna, We're going to put all the eggs in this basket. Right. Get, if you get this ben, one right, you get the T-shirt. If you we do. have any listeners at this point, God <laughs> yes. bless you. Come you should on. get a free ticket to a game. All the people that are into EDM are hanging on this with every second. Yeah. Last one. According to HubSpot.com, have you heard of HubSpot.com? No. <laughs> Nor have I. But according to HubSpot.com, which ad campaign was the best of all time? Was it Anheuser-Busch? What's up? Was it B, Nike, just do it? Was it C, Wendy's, where's the beef? Was it D, California Milk Processor Board, got milk? Which was the best ad campaign of all time, according to HubSpot.com? I wish I knew a little bit more about HubSpot. At least I know where you get all your bad information from now. <laughs> yes. 
I mean, you can't go wrong with just do it. That's what, that was my guess, too. And we have a winner, yes. winner, chicken dinner. What does he nice. win, Tom? You've won the IBEW Local 98 Jake Arietta nickname T-shirt. Children uh, 14 and under are going to get that one. 405, 405 start on Saturday. This was... This was very enjoyable. Mike, Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Keep doing great work. Yep. You guys are killing it with this. We're having a good time. What episode is this? Episode number 20-something, right? What is it? 17. You're going to continue this in the off-season, or are you going to just do it during the in-season? I think it's just in-season, but... Um, we might take it. If we can get a bar sponsor, we might take it out of season. Then we'll take it out of season. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get Harry's and Bluebell. <laughs> there you go. They'll love us. Uh, all right. We're going to wrap it up. Rob Brooks, thanks for uh, pushing all those buttons. You rocked it. Can't wait to have vegan uh, a vegan lunch with you next week. And uh, I guess that does it from here, right, John? All right. Mike, Go Phils. Th- thanks again. Go Phils. Be bold. Uh, be bold, and uh, we'll see you at the ballpark.